0: We're saved to demonstrate the kingdom of God. And the only way in which we can demonstrate the kingdom of God is that uh, Christ has given us His Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit resides within the lives of the believer. And uh, that, that resident spirit, that powerhouse that is within us, uh, you know, that river of living water that God wants to not only bless your life and pour out on and up through your life, He wants to pour out on and through your life to others and so last week we talked about jesus's offer to a thirsty world whoever believes in me rivers of living water will begin to flow from their life and so we found out that uh, the kingdom of god is open last week i encourage you if you did not uh hear the sermon last week to go online and to listen to that message uh the holy spirit visited us in a very unique way yesterday last week and it was awesome And uh, so, you know, the kingdom's open, church. The kingdom of God is open. And uh, we need to understand the invitation of God to do life together with Him. And uh, this is the greatest invitation in all this world. It's the greatest uh, sales pitch by anybody. Because everybody tells you if you drink this, if you have this, if you put this in your life, then you're going to be fulfilled in life. But Jesus comes at it from a different point of view, from a different kingdom. And uh, he calls us to drink this living water and then to, to f- pour it out into a dry and thirsty world. You know, um, Jesus uh, also told us that, you know, this is, uh, this is really not your home, <laughs> this earth. We talked about that last week, that we, you know, the, the Israelites lived in little tabernacles, little uh, twigs and shacks right in the desert, celebrating the fact that, they, you know, they were rescued from Egypt, but they had to live in these little little grass huts kind of thing until they got to the promised land. You know, I think we need to understand heaven's perspective of the nicest home represented in this entire congregation is but a twig shack. It's but a shack from what is waiting for us up in heaven. And so we need to, you know, hold all things lightly in this, in this world and in this life. We need to understand that lastly that uh, we talked last week that you can't do this on your own you've been invited to partner together with the holy spirit in what god wants to do in and through your life you know i believe we're we're really in the last moments of history church i'm going to invite kathy to make her way up Uh, i think kathy received just a strong uh, prophetic word from the holy spirit uh, a few days ago and I wanted her to share it with you because I think it's setting the direction of where we're going as a church. Show. we're going to grab you a microphone here, Kathy. Here you go.
1: Um, yeah, so I had a dream um, Friday night, Saturday morning, and I sent it to Greg. I'm actually just going to read what I sent him. And I'm just going to change a couple of words, because it'll say tomorrow, I'm just going to say today, that kind of thing. Um, I had a dream last night. It was very different. At first, it seemed apocalyptic. I was in my father's house, looking out of a very large window into the backyard. As I watched, to my right, I saw stuff being pushed out and carried away from the house. It was carried away by something that was liquid, yet solid, like lava. It continued until a large pile of stuff had accumulated. Then it stopped. I continued to look, and then it seemed as though the garage was moving. I soon realized that it wasn't the garage, but in fact, the house was moving to the left. The house and the land it was on. It had detached from the ground and was being moved along by what felt like water, a flood, a river. When it finally stopped, I remembered thinking, I'm in the same house, but a new location. Do I still have the same address? There was a very tangible fear of God present mingled with excitement. I believe this dream and its timing have to do with what happened last Sunday, Greg's sermon today, and what God is doing currently in the Father's house. A two-part move. The first, a cleansing. Removal of stuff, natural stuff. The direction right speaks of the natural. The The second part, a spiritual move. Left is the spiritual direction. There will be a detachment from the earth, a setting apart from the world, then a moving of the house to a new place. In some ways, things will be very much the same, very familiar, the same house. In other ways, things will be very different, a totally new place, a new neighborhood. It will leave us with questions where am i what is my address only those in the house will experience the move the garage is not moving those who are parked will remain so
0: thanks kathy you know god uh, is gracious isn't he he's merciful to his church and he often speaks words to us, not only of uh, encouragement, but at times he brings words of correction. And at times he brings words of, of, of just revelation. This is where we're going. Church, let me tell you, in, we're in the last moments of history. I, I really believe that. I fully believe that. And, um, you know, several months ago the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, there's a great delusion coming upon the world. And, and we're in that, that time, you know, as, as believers and as Christians, we're watching the world today, and we're seeing things that absolutely make no sense. Decisions are being made, and, and things are happening that you're going, how is this occurring? And, and really, when you understand in the last days, I've often wondered when I've read the book of Revelation, How, you know, when the Bible says that one-third of mankind is wiped out, but yet people just kept reaching their fists to God and cursing God. We're seeing that today. We're seeing that beginning uh, where people are so turning away from God and turning toward themselves. And, uh, you know, there's a word, and the word is autonomous. And the word literally means to be self-law, to be governed by self And we're moving into a world and a society that is governed by self. But not only governed by self, but is pushing away from the governance of God. Violently away from the the governance of God. And so I, I think the warning in Kathy's dream to us is that, you know, the house is on the move. God is moving by His Spirit in these last days. And I believe that He wants us, and I don't want to miss it, I want to be in that flow. I want to be with God and flowing together with the Lord. I don't want to be parked in the garage. I want to be in the river when it begins to flow, and it's flowing now. And uh, I said last week we had a significant uh, just move of God in people's hearts and lives, and, and we want to continue to, f- to walk in that direction, what the Lord is wanting to do in our life, in the life of our church right now. And uh, I want to encourage you all uh, to just make sure you're not parked. Make sure you're not in the garage, but you're showing up, you're coming along for the ride. Amen? Well, let's pray, and then we're going to look at something today from God's Word, the power of witness that comes as we abide in the Holy Spirit. Father, thank You for Your Holy Spirit. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your your care for us, Lord. You care for us, Lord. And uh, you, you, you set it as a sentinel in this world. You've set the church to be a light shining in a dark world, Lord God. And Lord, there's, there's really coming a time where there's a separation between the world and the church. We're right in that moment of history where it's going to cost us some, somewhat to stand and to shine and to declare the kingdom of heaven in this hour. And so, Lord, I pray that we will be bold and strong and filled with your spirit In order to accomplish these great things give us eyes to see now ears to hear hearts to receive and respond to your spirit in jesus name amen amen last week i ended the sermon with a quote and i'm just going to start it today and it says this it is not enough to have god in your life it is time to let god have your life amen that means something different to each one of us, and uh, God, God is going to put his finger on things in my life and your life, but how do we get there? How do we give God our life? How do we give God fully into our life? That's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Acts chapter 1 is where we're going to start uh, or con- continue on in this river of God and this flow of God. It says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. This is Jesus, do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Goes on and says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, including Wilderness Camp and Mournville, Alberta. I added that part in case you were wondering. (laughs) <laughs> power. Church, we're living in a time in our, in our life, and we've known this for a while, but it's becoming more and more evident, that we're living in a time when we need a power that is outside of ourselves. We need a power that is greater than our own power. We need a power that exceeds the power and capability that you and I have. I do not have the moral capacity to serve God in and of myself. I don't. Uh, And neither do you the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God you need a power in your life in this hour and according to this scripture it's the power of God in order to witness in order to be a witness in this world and that's gonna mean a little bit more than you think it means actually and we're gonna talk about that you know power in the kingdom of God uh, just understand something Jesus said things like this he said Uh, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, what does he mean by that? You can do all kinds of things apart from God. (laughs) You can live your whole life apart from God. That's part of God's gift to you. You you don't need God. You can do whatever you want. But he's saying if you want to live in the kingdom of God and you want to live in the eternal kingdom, you need a power source that is outside of this world. Amen? This world is temporal. Temporal. The kingdom is eternal. You know, actually, the kingdom that we cannot see with our physical eyes, but only our spiritual eyes, is actually more real than everything that is sitting here today, except for you people. (laughs) All this stuff, one day will be gone. Everything we hold dear, one day will be gone, unless we're holding the kingdom dear. Amen? And people dear, because that's what God holds dear. So we're going to talk about this power to witness. What does it mean to be a witness in this hour? I'm going to talk about the power to witness Christ and to see him accurately. The power to witness to this world about him and the power to witness our lives changed by him. Let's look at the first one. The power to witness Christ accurately and see him. A witness, guys, is someone who has seen an event. That's what a witness is. A witness has experienced something, has real-time understanding of something that they were part of, and now they're they're, they're witnessing because of that witness. You know they're being called to an account of, of that witness, and so you need to understand that the very first thing that the power that God is giving, the power of the Holy Spirit, the very first thing that it's for is for you to witness God. You have to see God clearly. It's actually the very foundation stone of all things that we do for the kingdom of heaven. They all start with God. And if we don't have a clear revelation of God, if we don't see Him clearly, we're, we're going to miss it. Why? You know why? <laughs> because we're completely self-centered. If we're good at one thing, it's, it's being self-centered. It's being myopic. Amen? You know, this self centered focus. Now, whether it's selfishness or self righteousness, it's still self. Do you know, sometimes you can do the right things for the wrong reason? You know, you can do things and say, look at how good I am, look at how much I'm giving, look how much I'm doing, look at what, look at me. It's all still self centered. Are you with me? And so, if I don't have a revelation of Christ, if I don't see Him clearly, I'm going to tell you something it's impossible to see myself clearly. If I don't see God, if I don't have this encounter with Him where there's a divine revelation, a revelation of Christ's nature to me, I'm going to miss it. You see, by seeing Christ clearly, we see ourselves more clearly. And by seeing Christ clearly, we see each other more clearly. You know, one of the neat things about God is this. Jesus uh, is the coolest guy to hang out with. Do you know why people love Jesus but sometimes hate church? <laughs> do you know why we love to be with Jesus? Because Jesus has this incredible ability, and, and you see it all throughout the Gospels and you experience it in your life. When you are, are having that time of communion with the Lord, do you know what happens? He actually reflects to you the image of God. You, you ever you never look at somebody's face, and, 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 and what you see in their face, you know, is actually reflecting on you, what they think of you, or your value, and you're like, well, that person doesn't really want to be with me. That person doesn't have time for me. But when, when you see Jesus, are you with me? When you see Jesus, you get a clear reflection of what God thinks of you. And that's an amazing thing. You know, you, think, you, you see things like you are valued, you are loved, you are accepted, you are significant. You can do it. I'm going to build something into you. I love you. I'm for you and not against you. I have time for you. You are important. You know, that's why people want to hang out with Jesus. Are you with me? And, and it leads us to a question. You know, what do people see when they look in my face being reflected onto them? Because I'm going to tell you something, Greg Fraser, in his natural state, is very self-centered. And so there are times when, when you know, you may be with me, God forbid, but it may be true. Let's be honest, that I'm like, well, I, I got, you know, I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm it's a little, I'm a little too busy for this. I, got, I don't have time for you, and I'm putting, I'm not reflecting how God sees you. You ever done that? I'll tell you, I I did it. I did it at wilderness camp. I did it. You know, one of the things that was happening, because I'm the preacher, and I'm preaching the Word of God, 10 sermons in 10 nights, and uh, I'm going to tell you something, that is a lot. (laughs) And by the 10th night, I'm ready to get on the road. Are you with me? So I'm very excited because I, I figured out I'm preaching in the morning on Sunday, and then we leave, and I'll be home by you know, 9 o'clock at night in, in Mournville. This is okay. I can handle this, God. Thank you. It's been wonderful to be here. And then they tell me, you're not preaching in the morning. You're preaching in the afternoon. And I, I'm telling you, I had, the, I had the RV ready to go. You know what I'm saying? I had drained all the stuff out. I had, I'm, I'm ready to hit the road. I, I literally had it pointed on the road, parked. It wasn't that I didn't love the people. It's that I had nothing else to give. Are you with me? And so, and so it's like one o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, this little guy tugs on my sleeve. His name's Robert David. And that, that hit me because my father's name was, or his name is David Robert. My father's name is Robert David. So right away, I, I got this connection. And he says, will you baptize me this afternoon? Now, do you understand how stupid I am? <laughs> because in that moment, I'm like, I, I, I've got to go. Like, I'm preaching, and literally, I'm... The RV is parked right out there, David Robert. Now, thank God, God got a hold of my heart. And I said, David, no problem. we got to do it in the next 45 minutes before I preach at 2 o'clock. So the two of us went down to the lake, and all the camp came out and watched david robert get baptized and it was so cool because i you know i had a wake-up moment to reflect the glory of god to this young guy are you following me and and what was cool was we baptized him and he came out and then i had my saved cap on and i said you know david this is yours and i put the cap on his head and it was like four sizes too big like i have the big head right and, uh, and it was so cool because then the Holy Spirit began to download some things. This young guy's going to preach. And you're like, wow, God, that's awesome. You see, the identity of God, are you with me, was being reflected in that moment. And, and, you know, one of the things I learned when I was at camp, because I'm the main speaker and I'm speaking, do you know people see Christ in me? They see Christ, and so they want to spend time with you. That's part of Why? Because they're seeing God reflected upon them when they're around you. And, and, and I'll tell you, this is why Jesus got away. <laughs> Are you with me? Jesus didn't get away so he could get away from people. He got away to be alone with God in order to be with people. That's a profound thought. He actually didn't get away. See, sometimes as a pastor, I get away to be alone. Just, oh, I just have nothing else to give. That was a wrong attitude. Are you with me? God is like, get away so that I can fill you up so that you have something to give. And guess what? you got to do it every day because every day there will be a draw on you to reflect the glory of God to people. That's your calling, church. It's not just my calling. How do we do that? Well, you know... <laughs> I think we do it because we know things, and I'm going to read you a quote from C.S. Lewis, and it talks about the value of people. Listen to this: It says, "Remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person you talk with may be one day uh, be a creature which, if you saw now, you would be strongly tempted to worship." There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, art, civilization, houses, bank accounts. These are mortal and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is the immortals with whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, exploit that are either immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Wow. You know, when I first got saved, at Kathy Fraser's baptism service at Evangel Assembly, and the preacher was preaching right at me. I've told you this story a hundred times, and God opened my eyes, and I'll never forget this as long as I live, and he showed me the whole church, and everybody in that church looked perfectly, spotlessly, holy, and white. They were pure. And I was terrified, because I knew I wasn't. And, you know, God opened my eyes, and he showed me how he sees the church. This is what you look like in the spirit realm. This is your value to God. This is how important you are. Every single person in this room and every person that you will contact as you leave this room. That that is what has value to God. What men values, God despises. (laughs) But people, God loves how do we get that kind of clarity, Pastor Greg? Well, Ephesians 3 tells us, right? I kneel before the Father. I bow before the Father. I pray. I pray that you, you know, that you might have your eyes open, that you might be strengthened by His Spirit, not the brute strength that comes by your own efforts, but the glorious inner strength that Christ gives as He lives in you and open, as you open the door and invite Him into your life. And He takes you and He shows you the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of His love for you. And when He reveals His love for you, then that begins to reflect on the people around you. That's why we have to spend time with God, guys. That's why we have prayer meeting on Tuesday. That's why you come to church. That's why you do devotions. It's to be in the presence of God. Just show up. Just show up. (laughs) You just show up and God begins to move upon you and you begin to have that encounter with the loving God and you begin to see Him more clearly you begin to reflect him to this world. Wow. That's what we need. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You know, when you die to self, which we're going to talk about in a minute, it's not so that you, you know, try harder. <laughs> it's that you give up. It's not about focusing on self at all. It's about focusing on Christ. That's why we have to pray. That's why we have to pray. You know, it takes power for you, the power of the Holy Spirit, just to know the love of God. Why? Because every time Greg Fraser walks away, he begins to drift and to see the world and to see himself through different eyes. The power to see Christ properly is the power of witnessing Christ, which leads us to the power to be a witness in this world about him. Jack Whitesell, many years ago, we had him in as a consultant. He said this, these words, and he can put up that little diagram there about directional shift. He said before the baptism of the Holy Spirit, before the power of the Holy Spirit came upon the church, the church was centric. And centric means inward focused. Are you with me? And, and, and so the church is meeting in the upper room. They've locked the door. They've locked the door of the church. (laughs) They're hiding. Oh, God, oh, God, come quickly. God, the dirty heathens are trying to kill us. They killed you. They're going to kill us too. Then all of a sudden, boom, the Holy Ghost falls. You with me? And suddenly the church moves from being centric to radic. And just like, boom, just explodes outward. And in one day, 3,000 people were added to the church. Wouldn't that be an awesome problem to have in this church right now? There might be 300 people here today, here in the kids, maybe a few less. Can you imagine if there was only 120 there? (laughs) Suddenly 3,000 people are coming to this church. Do you know what that means? Every single one of you is a Bible study leader at that point. There's no option. You you are teaching new believers. I've never done anything. You're it. Tag. <laughs> wow, God, come on. That'd be okay. We're okay, Lord. Just let it come, let it flow. Listen what happens. Peter, Peter who is, you know, runs away and hides from a, scare, a little schoolgirl who says, well, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? No, I'm not. He literally curses himself. May I burn in hell if I'm lying? I don't know him. That's, that's what he did. He called a curse down on himself. He didn't, like, use the F-bomb. That's how serious this was. <laughs> So, are you following me? Now, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit falls on him, and now listen to what happens. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness to a man who is at home and being asked, you know, for healing that lame man, then you'll know that this, the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, whom you crucified by your sins... But whom god raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed when they saw the courage of peter and john and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men thank you jesus they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with jesus that's the offer guys This is the living water. This is the river that God is starting to flow, and He he wants you to get in the river. The house is going to be moving. You know, Kathy and I were talking about that vision. You know, it was both fire and water. You know, we've been through the fire, we've been through the water. God wants to bring this together. The power of the Holy Spirit is not just cool, refreshing water, it is liquid fire. There is power. To change character. There is power that even the weakest among us can begin to declare the kingdom of God, the goodness of God. To be bold in this hour. It is almost impossible to be bold in this hour. You can't post something on Facebook without being torn a new one. We are in an hour when we need a power that is outside of ourselves. It's time, Holy Spirit, come. You know, the church throughout history has had this power in operation, and literally has changed the globe. Changed the globe. Don't kid yourself. You live in a culture, right now, everything you enjoy in this world, in this nation, is because of Christianity. You say, that's that's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. Education of the masses, education, the empowerment of women, you know, freedom of slavery. All this stuff comes out of a Christian heritage. All of it. You need to understand the great murderous persecutor of the church, Saul, has an encounter with God and filled with the Holy Spirit, and he becomes Paul, the greatest propagator of the gospel that he was just destroying. What changed? Power. Power power came into him the slave trader named john newton the vile man that he was frankly regularly taking women from the hold raping them horrible man are you following me horrible man one day he's on his ship and the ship's going down and he cries out to god god if you basically have mercy on us god and he thinks to himself what right do i have to ask for mercy and god spared him and spared the ship you know him, of course, as the man who wrote the most sung song in the history of the world. Amazing Grace. He became an advocate against slavery and transformed. Are you following me? The power of God can change us, guys. It can change us. So that we stop being centric. You know, every day, I'm going to tell you something. There, you know, one of the great church fathers, St. Augustine, had this saying. Incurvitus in, in se. And what it means is curved in on self. Do you know what se- sin is? Sin in its very ter- foundational form is to be self-centered. That's it. That's what sin is. You know, you can be self-centered and be religious as much as you can be self-centered and irreligious. God came to set us free from self. And so constantly, Greg Fraser curves in on himself. Constantly, Greg Fraser wants to go into self-protection mode. I'm looking at the world today. My first thought is not, man, we need to get out there and preach the gospel and save the masses. It's, no, where can I hide in John Booker's land somewhere that they're not going to find me for a few months? <laughs> Thanks, John, if you're here. I'm planning on staying at your place. When <laughs> Are you following me? Incurvitus and say we're we're curved inward, and the only thing that causes me to turn outward, the only thing that causes me, is the power of the Holy Spirit to lift my eyes and to see God and to see the value of the people that I'm walking with. Church, it's not a time to fight the world. The world is deceived. They're going to hell. They need a voice of reason to say, there's the light shining in the dark places and saying, there is hope for you and your family. It's time to turn from this world. Turn to God. The power to witness our lives changed by Him is the last thing, this upward turn, this outward turn. And we've talked about this before, but I just want to land on this point. The word witness In this text, actually means it's the Greek word for martyr. It's not only telling people about God, the God that you've seen, it's actually about dying so that the God that you have seen in your heart can actually be made visible through your life. See, when you die to self, Christ is elevated in you. That's what the word means. It means to lay down our self-centeredness and to embrace a God-centeredness. Well, what does this mean in practical terms? Try harder, do more, promise more, beg God. No. No. It just means show up. It means to take your ordinary, everyday life and lay it before God as an offering. Go on vacations, make plans, do all kinds of things, just include God. Every day. Every day. A- and that's really, you know, what you need to understand. You see, we need to understand the power of the altar. And building an altar is how we alter ourselves and how God alters us. You know, it was interesting. On Tuesday at prayer, two weeks ago, I said, guys, should we keep going and do permitting? There was five of us there. And they all said, yeah, we want to keep going. What was interesting, it was last week, we had, I don't know, 15, 18 people showed up. And I'm telling you, the, the presence of God was so beautiful. What a gift of God's presence came upon us in that, in that time of prayer. And it was very interesting. Don, I don't know if Don's here. He's not. Um, Don said this. I just took you what you told me last week. You said, just show up. That's all I did. And, and just showed up, and God met us there. Guys, that's, that's what it's about. You know, I'm, I'm tired on Tuesday night too. You follow me? I want to go home. I was there from 8 in the morning till 9 at night. But when I show up, God shows up. He's always there waiting for me, by the way, inviting me. And so it's this hour, it's this time where I need more of God's power. You know, I, haven't, I was going to send a text to the, to the staff, and I'm, I'm going to wait, but I'm going to tell you what it's going to say. Part of what it's going to say is we're going to be having prayer meeting every week from now on, at night. We're going to pick a night, and we're going to do it. Why? Why? Because we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Not everybody can make prayer in the day. So, you know what? Man, isn't that crazy? Pray in the morning and a prayer at night, Pastor Greg? That's nuts. (laughs) Wait till we go to 24-hour prayer. Where are altars built? Altars are built right where you live your life. See, an altar is a place of communion with God in and through every aspect of your life. The highs and the lows, the victories and the failures, the celebrations and the sufferings, the darkness and the light. You've heard this before. Altars are simply us bringing our everyday, ordinary lives before God every day. Genesis 12.8 is a great story about an altar. And I want to read it because I think it has lots to teach us. And I've taught on this in the past, but I want to bring it up again. Genesis 12, Abraham is there, and he says, He went from there toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. He pitched his tent between Ethel, Bethel, and Ai. Church, Bethel... Is the house of God Bethel is like where all of us want to live Bethel is you know the place where God dwells it's the place of his inhabitation it's where his glory and his provision come from it's the very presence of God how many you know we want to live in Bethel we want to live in Bethel but but Abraham basically tells us something a little bit of a truth that you and I need to understand You know, we want we want to live so close to God that the fire of His glory is just like melting our face off. Like that's awesome, and we think that's real Christianity. If I'm really serious about God, I'm so consumed by the glory of God. There's nothing. I'm just soaked in the river. I'm eventually going to get to the scripture in Ezekiel forty-seven that says if all you have is inlet and no output, you're actually a dead swamp. But let's go back to Bethel and Ai, because, you know, that's not where Abraham pitched his tent. He didn't pitch his tent in Bethel. He he pitched it between Bethel and Ai. And Ai literally means a place of ruin. Broken pieces, heaps of ruin, places of brokenness and heartache. You need to understand something, church. This is as important as anything I'm ever going to say. If you think that the Christian life is only lived at Bethel, you are wrong. And you will be sorely disappointed in your Christianity. Because if you think that it's all just a big party and all just a big presence of God and there's no problems in my life whatsoever, that is not true. Because your tent, the place where you live, is between Bethel and Ai. And you live in a tension every single day between those two places. Oh God, you're here and I want more of you, I want more of you. But man, my life's ruined. Man, there's pain and brokenness in my world, God. There's things that are not together, Lord. And God's like, that's where I want you to build an altar. (laughs) That's where you build an, an altar of praise. That's where you build the sacrifice of praise to me. That's when you show up and say, man, God, I don't even want to be here. God, you know, you need to have fiercely passionate prayers with God, you guys. You need to say things like, God, I love ice cream more than you. See, That's bad you think you're hiding that from God (laughs) that was God is better than ice cream God he is better than ice cream I'm just saying sometimes don't you get to the point in your own life where you're like you're looking at yourself going mad you're pathetic (laughs) and God's like I love you and I want to take your pathetic self and change the world and you and we think we can't go to God like that. We can't be that real with him. And so we keep trying to offer religious sacrifices like Peter did, remember? God, I will lay down my life for you. Peter, dude, you're gonna deny me three times I'm gonna give you a chance today. Three times, little schoolgirl, eh, you're gonna run, cry. Pathetic, Peter. Then the very next words, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God, Peter. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back and take you, you pathetic mess, back with me. Wow. This is where we live, church, in the, between the house of God's presence and ruin. Wow. We need to build the altar there. How do we do it? Just understand you are the sacrifice. That's number one. Not you are. In the Old Testament, it was hunks of meat. In the New Testament, it's, it's hunks of you. You're, you're the sacrifice. You have to build the altar. You have to show up. That, that's the point. You show up. God, here I am in all my glory and all my ruin and all the things that are wrong, all the things that are good, all the things that are bad. Here I am every day, God, every day. I'm showing up. God loves it. That's awesome. That's the heart of God. You know... We, you've heard this scripture. I just read it, kind of quoting it, but Romans 12:1. Here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does is the best thing you can do for Him. Everything. Your vacation life, your planning life, your work life, your home life, your kids, everything. Just God, be part of this. I want to do life with God. I don't want to do life with Greg alone Apart from God, I don't even want to be with me. That's a little too much joy there, Margo. (laughs) You understand that? The nastiest form of Greg comes out when there's not enough God in him. Yeah, brother. I could tell stories about you too, but we won't go there today. Here's the thing you need to understand, guys. Understand, we are living sacrifices. You know what that means? You can get off the altar. Listen to what it says in Genesis 15. So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, he's speaking to Abraham, and a goat and a ram, each of three years old, along with a dove and a pigeon and a young, you know, a dove and a young pigeon. I mean, it's costing him something. Are you with me? Abraham brought all these to him, cut them in half, arranged them on the halves on the opposite sides of the altar. Uh, however, he did uh, the bird he did not cut in half. The birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. Okay, what this is saying is this. When you take your life and say, God, I need more of you, every day I need to be with you. Every day I need to find a place with you. Every morning, every night, whatever it is, God, throughout my day, I need to pause and I need to say, God, here I am. God, I want to do my life with you. You know, you are, you are offering your life before the Lord in that moment. But how many of you know the birds of prey are going to try and take you off that altar? The birds of convenience are going to take you off that altar. The birds of tomorrow—oh, tomorrow I'll go to prayer meeting. Oh, tomorrow I will go to church. Oh, tomorrow I will sacrifice. Oh, tomorrow we'll give. Oh, tom- you understand? Those birds are pulling you off the altar. That can alter you. They can change you. And 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 you know I'm not good enough. I I'm, I'm so unworthy. Build a, build an altar right where you're unworthy. God, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. God, I'm struggling with pornography. God, I'm struggling with whatever. God, I'm an angry person. Change me, God. You're my only hope, Lord. You're my only hope, God. I show up. Here I am, open hands. Look at how wrecked I am. (laughs) Oh, God. Beat off the birds of prey, church. Show up. Show up. Show up. I'm going to ask the band to come and we're going to sing a song about building altars. I'm going to tell you a story. So I'm just going to get really vulnerable with you right now. It may not be uncomfortable for you, but it'll be uncomfortable for me. (laughs) So, you know, we all know that I've been in this battle with MS for the last eight years. And to be honest with you, church, I have pursued God fervently with a passion for healing. (laughs) I've done, I've fasted, I've confessed every sin, I've confessed most of your sins. I've I've done everything that I can do. Are you following me? And I just found myself drifting, and, and, and not I, I couldn't connect with God. It was the weirdest experience of my Christianity, just staying faithful but still feeling like I'm, I'm drifting, Lord, further and further away. I'm trying harder, and nothing's happening, God. And finally, you know, I was away on a course in the States and just broken. And I finally came to a place of brokenness before the Lord what I, where I was honest with him. That was so hard. You know, it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to say to God, saying, God, I don't trust you. God, you have abandoned me. I feel like an abandoned child, God. Do you know how hard that was to say to God, I'm a pastor. (laughs) I'm a Christian for 25 years. To have that moment of intense honesty with God. God. And you know, it was just like I built an altar in my present reality. <laughs> and guess who showed up? God, who was there the whole time. <laughs> Waiting for me to come to that point of brokenness. To stop trying and, stop tr- and start trusting. And I'm going to tell you something, guys. Uh, I'm, not as, I'm not as devoted as I, right now as I was then. But I'm telling you, there's a new power and operation in my life as a pastor. That's very real. It's awesome. Why? Because I built an altar at the place where I live. And God is meeting me. And it's all I want. I want more of him. And therefore, I want to be more honest and more broken and more vulnerable and more real. And God, I, I don't care what I have to confess. I just want you. I want the power of the Holy Spirit in me, Lord God because I can't, I can't live in this world today without him. I can't do this. I can't do this job without the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't live life as a Christian in this world that's so going down a road of destruction without the hope and the power of God working in me. And frankly, church, neither can you. Amen. So I just want you to sit. We're going to sing through this song one time. And I want you to just let the Holy Spirit put his finger on some things in your life that he's asking you to lay on the altar. He's already started the process already, but just let him take you deeper.